This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. All of the coaching openings are now closed and they have been filled. And it's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. And we are also available on video on the ESPN app. And it just strikes me that I forgot to change today because I'm wearing, well, just simply a t shirt. <laughs> And it's a T-shirt that just says <laughs> "College" on it. I um, when when we started this, you were in a collared shirt almost every day, and for the most part, I hated that because I thought we could go much more casual. We can. And now, eventually, I've noticed this, and I realize, well, we've really bottomed out here. <laughs> oh, just oh, the the basic T-shirt. The basic T-shirt has now set the stage for tank tops in the summer. Well. Maybe shirts optional. And no, see, here's the thing: basic T-shirt, blank T-shirt, to me, but it can look a little bit, you know, dressy-ish. In that, okay, I'm just gonna wear a plain T-shirt. Clean white tee, clean black tee. You throw a sport coat over that, I'm ready to hit the town. Yeah, but I'm not doing that. Then today, I just realized, oh, I didn't even bother. Yeah, <laughs> I combined my job with bed. Pretty much. <laughs> like, my bed's like 25 feet from where I am. So the transition, I think, is going to be seamless. <laughs> Joseph Dan Quinn has been hired by the Washington Commanders. Woo! Here we go. We did it. Here we go, Washington. Three and a half weeks. Months before you knew you were moving on from Ron Rivera. And we come out of it all with Dan Quinn. It's not a knock on Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is a fine defensive coach. He was a decent coach his first time around. Obviously got a team to a Super Bowl. But my biggest concern is simply centered around Dan Quinn and the idea that they have a high draft pick and they need to get a quarterback. So all of that really presents an uninspired situation to me because I don't know who's going to develop them. But, Joe, you look at all the coaches that were out there to hire. The, the Belichicks, the Carrolls, the Mike Vrabels, Aaron Glenn. Uh, he was on the mix, in the mix. Ben Johnson. Vrabel? But I think there are great cases to be made for at least three guys. Vrabel because when he was let go by Tennessee, that was a surprise. Right after that. Feel, felt unanimous that the opinion was he's going to get snatched up immediately. It was almost such a foregone conclusion. We didn't even really spend time breaking down where it would be because we just knew it would happen and then we would discuss it. At least with Belichick, there was the, well, he didn't perform well with Brady. Well, he is up there in years. Well, he does want full control. Those problems could lead to some issues. The, the Vrabel one was just the biggest stunner because given the success he had, with, I just assumed he'd be scooped up immediately. Are you in agreement with that, or are you seeing it another way? I'm blown away that he didn't get a head coaching job. But is it the most surprising? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Even more so than Belichick. Belichick, it's almost like it's an acquired taste. You have to assume that some teams just weren't quite ready to dive into that pool. I don't think it's the right move. I think you need to be ready to do that when you have the opportunity to get a guy like that, but that's neither here nor there. Vrabel, to me, was the no-brainer in all of this. I mean, Joe, we were quite literally talking about the possibility of the Tennessee Titans having to trade him 
to somebody. Right. Like, I, I, of course, none of us knew that Gerard Mayo had in his contract that he's the next guy, but it, it, it looked all too perfect for Mike Vrabel to be the successor to Bill Belichick. And then if you think back, I mean, think about our guy, Jeff Darlington, talking about him being a possibility in Dallas. And listen, they stuck with Mike McCarthy. That's great. Who would you rather have as your head coach, Mike McCarthy or Mike Vrabel? I mean, I know, Mike I, I know my answer. I know where McCarthy tops out. That's the thing. I'm well aware of where he tops out. I think there's still more to what I've seen from Vrabel. The other name that's staggering, but it's because of his own doing, is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator in Detroit. See, Vrabel didn't get hired. I don't know if that's because of his own doing. I don't know if he came out and said, you know what? I'm not interested. I'm taking the year off. Right? Belichick, clearly. not with the. I, I'm not interested and I'm taking the year off. Like though, He wanted a job. I don't know what the case is with Vrabel. I'm not sure if Pete Carroll wanted a job because we didn't hear him linked to anything. We didn't hear about anyone interviewing Pete Carroll at all. Ben Johnson was the foregone conclusion of he's the next big offensive mind. He turned down an opportunity to be a head coach last year for another year with Detroit. Now, after a great run, NFC Championship game appearance, Jared Goff looks fantastic. It's time to cash in your chips. Oh, by the way, eight jobs are open, but New England's the only one not looking for anyone. So it felt like he had his pick of the litter because the league is skewing in a younger direction. An offensive mind who can develop a quarterback like we saw in Jared Goff would pay dividends in a place like Washington or some other teams that are looking for quarterbacks. And then he turns around and just says he's staying. How often does someone turn down the lucrative payday to stay? I can't remember the last time that happened. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember it either. Um, it happens every once in a while, but especially this late in the game when it seemed like such a lock. You know, there is somebody that we have just given up talking about that was in the building, and I'm quite sure took the job based on Ron Rivera potentially getting fired. And that's Eric Bieniemy. Oh, interesting point. Think about this for a second. You have a guy that the the Chiefs absolutely swear by in every way. Um, you could have made the point that at some point this year, well, did they really miss Bieniemy because their offensive uh, output was not what it needed to be under Matt Nagy for a lot of the year? Uh, and we know that Andy Reid is obviously the ultimate guy there. But let's talk about this. You're going to have the second overall pick. Patrick Mahomes was the guy who was developed in Kansas City. And I'm not saying that Jaden Daniels or whoever they end up with is going to be Patrick Mahomes. You don't have the confidence in Eric Bieniemy to do that? Like, if you're if you're Bieniemy and you don't get that job, and he's how many of them he, he hasn't gotten, um, like, when are you ever going to get yeah, one. I have no idea what it is, but there's just something we don't know. That that yeah. That's all this can be at this point. And I don't want to speculate wildly. I don't want to accuse no, anyone of anything. there are always rumors like, out what, there. But, but yeah. like, what is it here, right? Something doesn't add up in this sequence. I remember I was, I was at Raiders headquarters in the Bay Area the year that Laramie Tunsil had the gas mask thing happen. Remember? And then yeah, didn't oh, yeah. he fall in the draft? Where did he eventually end up going? Miami. But how far down did he go? Can oh, someone look that like, up? He fell like six or seven spots, and Mike Tannenbaum was the one who drafted him and could not have been more excited to get him. I, I feel, I, I, I think it was Tunsil. I know it was that draft, but 
we were at Raiders headquarters doing a draft show for the radio station I worked at in the Bay Area, and we were the flagship of the Raiders at the time. And I remember Jack Del Rio was the head coach of the Raiders, and after the Raiders had made their pick and it was later in the evening, Del Rio came in for an interview, and we had asked him about it was either Tunsil's fall or someone else's because the gas mask thing happened like right before the draft. Yep, during. during. It was Yeah, it yeah. was him or somebody else. And we looked at him, and we were just like, how is this – how could a player like this who was ranked so high fall so far? Something had happened with that draft, and he looked at me, and I remember he just said, there are things that we are aware about that you are not aware about, yeah. right? Like the media is – we, we, there's only so much we know. We can talk to sources. We can dig. We can try to figure things out. But sometimes these big surprises happen in the draft. Oh, my God, this guy, he was such a surefire. How could it happen? Like Will Levis, remember that? How many people thought Will Levis was a top five pick? Doesn't even go in the first round. Things happen. And with Biennemi, there's something there. There's a reason why he's been involved with so many winning teams and he can't get a job. I don't know what it is, but it can't be nothing, right? It can't be nothing. No, it can't be nothing. It can't be nothing. Now, and what's surprising is whatever that is hasn't come out yet uh, after all these years. Now, there is a report out there that the commanders during the hiring process considered Bill Belichick and that they talked to him and he had support from people in the building, but in the end, Quinn's their choice. I'll tell you what, I'm going to go back to it again, Joe. A lot of protection of power. Bill Belichick scares the hell out of people that are already in place who make decisions because he wants everybody pulling in the same direction. And it's scary for people who are in place already any time somebody comes in and is a new face and is trying to establish themselves. I mean, I can think about actual instances where coaches came in. Think about Adam Gase. Adam Gase gets hired by Mike McCagna with the Jets, and like a month and a half, uh, two months later, McCagna's out. Uh, uh, not McCagna, but Mc Mike McCagna. Uh, yeah, Mike McCagna was out, and here comes Joe Douglas. Like, Gase got him forced out. Everybody's protecting their turf. And Belichick would scare the hell out of anybody if you're in that building and you're asked your opinion about Belichick. Is it possible you could say the same thing about Vrabel? He's dealing with, a, so. or was dealing with a, a, a general manager in Tennessee, Rand Carthon. Carthon was in San Francisco with the Niners prior to taking that job in Tennessee. Adam Peters, the new general manager in Washington, used to work under John Lynch in San Francisco. All these guys talk. Is it possible that Vrabel and Carthon butted heads, Vrabel was run out of the building, and then word got around from Carthon that Vrabel's difficult to work with? Yeah, I absolutely think that's possible. I think Vrabel has gotten that reputation as being a little bit difficult to deal with. And when you don't win consistently enough, that becomes a, a tougher problem to overcome. But I'll be stunned if Vrabel doesn't have a job next year. Absolutely stunned. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, I, I can't help you. You should go and do that. Because if you miss any of the show, that's the place to go and get every single aspect of the show, every single moment of the show that you might have missed. You go get it anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, whether it's Apple, whether it's, uh, you know, on Spotify, whether whatever, on the ESPN app, please go there, subscribe, rate, review joe how many teams would actually want dak prescott if he became became available the answer 
might surprise you, and it's going to surprise me because I don't know what the answer is. It's next. <laughs> Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Dak has done nothing to change my mind of any promise for the future. I think I said in the deal that we'd go as far as Dak takes us in the playoffs. I believe in Dak Prescott. I think he's clearly the answer. Here's a guy who's two and five in the playoffs has never gotten past the divisional round. Do you want to extend that quarterback when in his first eight years he's not shown you he can do it? Can they get Dak Prescott to be the guy when the lights are the absolute brightest in January as the same person they are in, you know, September, October, November, December? So it's amazing to me that this is the case, but I feel like despite what you just heard, there have been more people that have become more defensive of Dak Prescott than ever before based on this year. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and on the TuneIn app, when you're trying to find quality candidates, all the searching, screening, and interviewing, that can become a job itself. You need Indeed, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to interview, screen, and hire quality people. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Joe, like me, for instance, never a big Dak guy. I think he's He's really taken it on the chin this year when he had an absolutely phenomenal regular season. And I was one of the first to point, not that everybody wasn't, but point at the fact that against the Packers, he did not play well. And his two interceptions led to 14 points. But that wasn't ultimately the biggest factor in that game. It wasn't the biggest problem the Cowboys have had. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, if we're going to look at Dak and consider him a big issue, where does Dak rank right now on the list of Cowboy problems? Because for me, it's not very high. Well, I'm, they got problems top to bottom, right? Like yeah. ownership is fantastic in the sense that it's entertaining. It spends a lot of money. It, 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 it brands better than anybody in the business. But ownership is also quite involved in the day-to-day routine of running the operation. And quite frankly... Prescott holding all the leverage in this upcoming contract negotiation is a huge mistake on their behalf. It's kind of like that situation the Raiders had a year ago where Derek Carr had the ability to just leave 
Yeah. And they were talking about, no, 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 like, we're, we, we can trade you. We can trade you. And Carr was sitting there and said, okay, give it a try. And then the contract expired and he left and signed with New Orleans. And that was it. <laughs> like, how do you structure a contract that way where a quarterback can walk away? Say what you want about Carr. He's worthy of compensation if you structure the contract correctly. So now here we are with Dallas. They're jammed up. Ownership and management, clearly a problem. The defense giving up 48 to Green Bay, clearly a problem. All right. Mike McCarthy and his inability to get the team coached up and ready to go in that matchup. Clearly a problem. So yeah, Dak played poorly. He deserves heat. But where he ranks in terms of the problems in Dallas, not in the top two for me. I don't even yeah. know if he's top three. He may not be top three. I mean, GM and the coach are certainly in front of him. Absolutely in front of him. Now, defensively, with no Dan Quinn, maybe. But I mean, here's, here's what's clear, though. Listen to Micah Parsons talk about Dak Prescott. You understand that he's not the only one that feels this way and that the Cowboys all respect him in every single way and want him to be their leader. I do see a lot of people overreacting. You know, a lot of blame goes on to Dak Prescott because he is a quarterback and people look at his playoff wins, but we gave up over 40-plus points. What do you expect Dak Prescott to be? Do you expect him to be Superman? He cannot win games by himself. I've always said football is not a game of one man. It's a game of 22 men that go on the field, and you need to rely on every 22 guys to win that game. It's not relied on one individual, two individuals. It's a team that can play together as a group the best collectively, not give up big plays, and not cost their team first downs and things like that. So, I do not put down Dak Prescott. He is a all-pro. He has played a terrific game. Coulda, woulda, shoulda been an MVP. Look, Dak is respected by that team, and I think they believe in his ability to lead them. And that's why I'm saying yesterday, like, if I'm Dak here, with Jerry, like, you want to do me like that? All right, that's fine. Blank around and find out. Because Dak will hit the open market. And I firmly believe there will be teams lining up to get him. The problem with the Prescott, I don't even know, conundrum, quandary, I don't know what to call it, but the, the way we analyze him is more our fault than his fault. We look at Mahomes, we see Mahomes in primetime nonstop, and we basically say, if you're not Mahomes, you're not good. Right? Like that, we did that with Brady too. Well, he's not Tom Brady. Well, yeah, nobody's Tom Brady. It's generational. Mm -hmm. Nobody's Patrick Mahomes. But when Mahomes does what he does, and we see it every week on the national stage and we watch it and break it down, anything that doesn't look like that looks problematic. As a result, Josh Allen gets crushed. Lamar Jackson gets crushed. Dak Prescott gets crushed. And then when we see a kid play well, but he's surrounded by a good team, we go ahead and we knock that kid, and that's Brock Purdy, right? We sit here and we say, well, well, Purdy's not necessarily elite. What do we want? What is it that we want? We want another Mahomes to come out of the sky and play ridiculous football, and then we can say, yeah, those are the guys that should be the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, but they're not. Prescott played well enough to win the Packer game. The defense gave up 48. Jackson, conversely, did not play well enough to win the game against Kansas City. His defense gave up 17. Josh Allen did play well enough, but all these guys get crushed if they're not perfect because they're not Patrick Mahomes. Like, we shouldn't yeah. be comparing everybody to Mahomes. It's unfair. He's the outlier, not the norm. If Prescott's available today, 12 teams minimum are interested. Uh, is Miami interested in an upgrade over Tua with his contract coming up? Oh, my God, yes. New England. 
Of course. Right. Uh, Washington. Keep going. Yep. Minnesota, because they might not re-sign Kirk Cousins. He's a free agent. Pittsburgh, Atlanta, the Saints, Tennessee, Denver, the Raiders, possibly Seattle. Now, I understand, you know, why would New England want them? They're going to draft third. They're going to get a quarterback. Yes. But given their current situation, a lot of these teams would love Prescott under center. And this is what I was surprised by, too, yesterday when we had Peter King on. Now, you asked Peter if Dak hits free agency, can he go and chase the fully guaranteed contract that Lamar Jackson wanted but ultimately didn't get? And Peter said, well, I I don't think he's going to get that. You can try. But, you know, league owners have pretty much done everything they can to make sure that doesn't happen again after the Deshaun Watson debacle. And the way Watson is, by the way, you'd take Dak there too over him, the way things have gone. Yep. But then how many people would be interested in him? This answer from Peter surprised me. Dak Prescott has won two playoff games, and he has come up alarmingly small in many of those games, including the last three years. So my question would be, is somebody going to pay $60 million fully guaranteed to a guy who they don't really know and they can't be really confident that he's going to lead you to the promised land? What have we been talking about with Patrick Mahomes all year? that he doesn't have the same guys around him, right? Nope. To your point, you cannot compare anyone to Patrick Mahomes. You can't do it because he more than makes up for all of those things. Are you going to tell me that a team that has good pieces in place can't win a Super Bowl with uh, with Dak Prescott? I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I'm higher on Dak this year than I ever have been, and I fully believe that he can get it done. The thing is, you need to put him with a really savvy head coach because the coach and the quarterback have to be able to cover up each other's deficiencies. Shanahan can scheme a hell of a game for Purdy, but Purdy's got to be able to make huge plays in the second half when Shanahan's not on his A game, which is what we saw in the NFC Championship. Mahomes has always been able to cover up Andy Reid's issues with goal line and clock management late in games. We don't even talk about it anymore because Mahomes is that good. And that's something Manning was able to do for all his coaches. And the coaches are able to bail out the deficiencies of the quarterbacks. McCarthy is not good enough to make up for Dak's problems, and Dak isn't good enough to make up for McCarthy's issues. That's why those two are not a solid match. Joe, the NBA players are not too happy about the new 65-game minimum to win major awards in the league now. But uh, up next, we're going to let you in. little secret. little secret. Come in tight. Come in tight right here. We're going to listen. It's working. (laughs) That's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8 SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. 
Better because it has to be. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, nice little night in the association last night. 3-0, and up three units. We had four bets, but Zion Williamson was a late scratch, so all bets refunded there. Tonight, we've got one. Pacers plus two and a half over the Knicks. How can you bet against the Knicks? Oh. They're going to say. The Knicks have been wonderful. Love the story. Love everything about it. I just like the spot here for the Pacers. After all, they did open plus four. It's now down to plus two and a half for a reason. No Julius Randle tonight. No Mitchell Robinson tonight. OG Ananobi battling that banged up elbow. He's listed as questionable. But more importantly, Tyrese Halliburton is back for Indiana. And the other night they were missing um, TJ McConnell due to an illness. He's questionable. He could play tonight. In that game against Boston, they gave the Celtics all they could handle, played a great game, covered the spread, came up just short. Boston shot 54% from the field and 47% from deep. That's what they needed to get by the Pacers. Pacers have been struggling without Halliburton. I think they're undervalued here. Give me Indiana plus the two and a half over the Knicks. You know, I once bought TJ McConnell a wedding gift when I was working in Philadelphia. That. Went right into the registry and from our show, it was the Carlin and Reese show with Ike Reese there in Philly at the time, went in and uh, you know what? They needed a mixer. So we decided as a show, we're sending you a mixer. And it wasn't just the cheap one either. It was a big one. <laughs> a mixer like think, uh, from for like baking? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like if you're looking to make a nice uh, dough, this sucker would need the heck out of it for you. Okay. Absolutely. Like this was not a cheap mixer. And I got to tell you, Took a little while for the thank you note. Oh, Took did it. a little while. Well, yes, you got did. you got a year to give them the gift, right? Yeah. So I'd imagine the thank you note also has some time as well. I think in theory, the thank you note has a year, and uh, it didn't take that long. Okay. Although I, I would say for me and my wife, we absolutely use the entire year. Yeah. <laughs> take it right up until the deadline there. Absolutely. Joel Embiid is hurt. The Sixers take timeout. Draymond Green summoning the Sixers. The Sixers big man is rolling around on the hardwood. And the hope is that the Sixers will have a clear picture on whatever issues there may be with that knee. And Embiid's ability to compete, to be the back-to-back MVP, is very much in jeopardy. Now we got one of our premier faces in this league, the MVP of our league, possibly hurt for an extended period of time because he's forcing it. Look, let's not blame the league rule for Joel Embiid rushing back. That's not the right thing to do here. If it had more to do with the criticism, also not to blame. Joel made that decision to come back, and it was clearly the wrong one. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. You heard a little bit of Draymond there. Joe, I want to play some more of this for you. This is Draymond from his podcast on the volume, uh, talking about... The, the NBA's 65-game threshold for awards and then the Embiid and the relation to it. Here is the entirety of that comment. Joel playing tonight felt very much so because of the 65-game limit. What I think is actually quite bullshit 
Guys didn't face those rules before, but those same NBA, all NBA teams, those same MVP awards, lists, uh, defensive player of the year, those lists are the same. I once lost a defensive player of the year award to Kawhi Leonard, and I think he played 51 games. In turn, you get Joel, who comes out there tonight, and he forces it. And freak play with him and uh, J.K. diving for the ball, but... Maybe it's not as bad if the knee isn't already banged up. I don't really bang with it. And now we got one of our premier faces in this league, the MVP of our league, possibly hurt for an extended period of time because he's forcing it. Well, it sucks. But, Joe, like, what are we supposed to do when you can't get guys to play all the time or to play nearly enough so that the fans who are shelling out the amount of money that they are for these tickets, for that the TV networks that are shelling out the amount of money they are for these games actually get a chance to see the superstars as opposed to just taking a night off. Draymond does an excellent job highlighting the problem with the new 65-game rule. Guys sure. are going to force it when they otherwise should be taking the night off. He does an excellent job there. I agree with him. But like a lot of people, he points out the problem. He offers no solution. But yeah, anyone can point to the problem. I can point to the problem with several things in the country. If I don't have a solution, who cares? Anyone can point out the problem, right? The problem with the 65-game rule is that it could force guys onto the court when they're hurt. But the 65-game rule is a potential solution to the problem of guys just not wanting to play ever. That was a problem. We're shelling out money. We are shelling out money, and we're finding out 90 minutes before tip that the star, who wasn't even listed on the injury report, is now out. Because of uh, back soreness, which he's just taking the night off. Like, we get that it's a grind, but there has to be some middle ground here. Because people want to watch these games. Ultimately, without the fans watching and paying for the seats, you're not going to have the huge TV revenue to go to the salaries. So everyone's got to work together here. No one's pushing for you to play 82 games a year. But we can't keep having stars missing games all season long. I want to point something out. Last four years, Kawhi Leonard, the amount of games he's played... 50, 0, 52, 57, an average of 39 games a year over the last four seasons. Kawhi Leonard has played 42 of 46 games this year. And the Clippers are a pretty damn good basketball team. They're a lot of fun to watch. Paul George, last four years, 56 games, 31 games, 54 games, 48 games, four-year average of 47 games per year. Paul George this season? 43 games played out of a possible 46. Clippers are a fun watch this year. The poster children of load management are actually playing games this year. Yeah. And as a result, their team is awesome to watch, and they're producing great results. So, yes, this is not going to be perfect. We're going to have to look at the 65-game rule and probably make some tweaks. And, yes, it's very unfortunate what happened to Joel Embiid. He shouldn't have been forcing it just to try to make this threshold. But Draymond... What's the solution to the load management? The solution can't be, well, guys just, you know, need to take off when they want because that's a problem for the league. It's a problem for the networks. It's a problem for the fans. We got to meet halfway here. What they could do, take the 82-game schedule, shrink it all the way down to 50 games if you want, and then go out there and try to play 40 games. You get 10 off throughout the course of the season. Problem is we got to shrink your salaries as well. Are you okay with that? Because we can meet halfway on that one too, but I have a feeling there's going to be some pushback. Well, a little bit of breaking news on this very topic as we speak right now. Garland versus Joe. Breaking news. Um, I mean, maybe we could have gone with the softer breaking news, like, hmm, 
But we'll go with this. I'm excited. The Pelicans and the 76ers have both been fined for violating the league injury reporting rules. Pelicans were fined 25 grand. They didn't include Trey Murphy uh, for a game January 27th against the Bucks, but the Sixers, 75,000 for not including Embiid on the team's injury report in an accurate and timely manner for the game on January 27th. In other words, the fact that it happened so late they are not buying the idea that the Sixers had no idea that Embiid may not play up until the very end. Well, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't the process for that Saturday night game, Joel Embiid in the morning was not on the injury report? Correct. And then a few hours before tip, he was just ruled out completely. And yeah. what the league's probably saying here is, if there was the potential to be ruled out due to a knee injury that didn't happen in the hours leading up to the ruling out, he should have been listed as questionable or doubtful or something on the morning injury report, correct? Correct. And here's what else it has to say about it. The fine takes into account Philadelphia's prior history of fines for this same thing. But the league review concluded there was no violation of player participation policy because Embiid's absence was due to an injury. So basically, cut the crap. You've done this before. We've had enough. But you should have had some sort of a sniff that Embiid should be banged up enough where you would at least include him on the report. That's what I read into that. Well, Sixers got to be looking at that Pelicans fine, being like, how come they get 25, we get 75? Well, they, yeah, I mean, Take it's that just zero. There. Right to arbitration. Well, they, 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 they're telling you it's because they've Sixers have pulled it before, yeah. and you haven't. But I, by the way, just really quick, I went and looked. How many MVPs do you think have played less than 65 games ever? I think this number is going to surprise you. Zero? No. How many? Five. Five guys have won an MVP playing less than 65 games? Yep. Carl Malone played 49 games and won an MVP. 49 games. What does that say about the league that year? Yeah. 49 games? Yeah, that was 98-99. Bill Walton, LeBron in 11 and 12 played 62. Evan says that's a, is that that was the lockout season? Okay, uh, so then, yeah, rule him out because that wasn't a full season then. 98-99 was the lockout? Yeah, that was the year the Knicks lost to the oh, Spurs. Oh, that's right. And I, thought we, I was, was going to say 49 games is like, yeah. okay. Good call. Good All right, call. so scratch that. That leads us scratch to Scratch that game. That one doesn't count. Walton. LeBron, uh, LeBron played 62 in 2011 and 12. Then you got Giannis. That was another lockout, was I it not? I believe that was also a lockout year, yeah. 11 and 12 was a, a lockout year? Carlin, are you going to give us five guys that season. Are you going to give us five guys that won the MVP in lockout seasons? Cuz you can just uh, present it as that. Here are the five MVPs so. in lockout. Did they lock seasons? out for Walton in 78-77-78? I don't think so. <laughs> Giannis and Cousy were the other fifth nineteen. Uh, listen, nineteen fifty-seven. Bob Cousy lockout, of course. Giannis also the shortened COVID season because that was after the bubble. Carlin, this may be the worst list in the history of lists. Great call that you just came up with. Wow, that's atrocious. <laughs> that's atrocious. Two I lockouts, thought, I, a I pandemic, and Bob Cousy. I don't know why it is. I always get stuck in my head that it was 99-2000 and not 98-99. What does Bob Cousy have in common with coronavirus and two lockouts? That's coming up next. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Trying to drop knowledge and drop something else. (laughs) I don't have faith in the hammer today now. Oh, the hammers today? Uh, Let's do it. Uh, You must be here for the uh, trivia challenge. 
you have the answer to this week's trivia question? Oh, I love trivia. What's up, boys? It's hammer time. This is the Himbo Hammer. What they play like 50 games in that lockout year or two? 98-99. We should just default on this and give Hembo the win right now. But anyway. Hey and Joe, your question is this. Who is the only quarterback to be intercepted five times in a single Super Bowl? Good luck. Oh, come on. I know that. I, I, know, I know the that. answer to that. I think I, I know that. Yeah. And I think the, I have two guesses and they're like right next to each other in the same era. So, okay. okay. Agreed. All right. Agreed. Think it through. Let the melon, let the melon resonate. Okay. Can a melon resonate? We'll find out mm. next. <laughs> Carlin versus Joe. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio. be here for the uh, trivia challenge. Do you have the answer to this week's trivia question? Oh, I love trivia. What's up, boys? It's hammer time. This is the Himbo Hammer. All right, we got the question right before the break. And it's, I, I, no, I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not going to jinx it. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, on the ESPN app as well, presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, Joseph, let's hear the question one more time. Hey, friends. And Joe, your question is this. Who is the only quarterback to be intercepted five times in a single Super Bowl? Good luck. Wow. I like it how he added a single single Super Bowl at the end. He's paying attention. He's yep. really tightening up the questions. Mm-hmm. And, and for that, I'm proud. I'm very proud of him. Uh, two guys come to mind. Go ahead. Jim Kelly, John Elway. Oh, wow. I have two totally different ones. Really? Okay. Okay. Elway was like my third. I The first two that came to mind, and you, you know this better than me, for some reason I thought Neil O'Donnell and Stan Humphreys. Uh, Neil O'Donnell didn't throw five. Okay, good. He's out then. Thank you yeah. for the help on that one. No, he didn't throw five. and Because they had a chance to win that game, if not for his second interception to Larry Brown. Uh, I don't think Stan Humphreys threw five. Okay. I think it's, it's that either... game trips me up because Steve Young has the touchdown record from that game. So that right. might be what I'm thinking about. There. He threw six in that game. Okay. Yep. Um, I think it's Elway. I think it's Elway in the 55 10 game uh, that they lost. I knew somebody, <laughs> I knew somebody who bet $25,000 on the Broncos when they lost 55 10. <laughs> Do I know who it is just by proxy? By the name, you would know the name. <laughs> you would know the name of the person. This is not someone who operates in the shadows. No, no. No, I would never describe this person who a, was ever on yeah. a game getting blown out like that. I am happy to ride with you on John Elway. I think that's a great case. And if we win, I'm taking no credit. I'm riding your coattails here. I'm happy to go with that. I think, and you also have multiple Super Bowls to choose from. You're you're picking yes. one specific, but. He lost a bunch. Yeah, I think it was the 55-10 game. I okay. think it's Elway. If not, it's Kelly, but we'll, we'll ride do with Do you want to take here. Kelly just so we cover both? Do you want me to take Kelly so we cover both? How do you no. want to play this? No, let's go with Elway. Okay. Let's go with Elway. Gentlemen. The correct answer is Rich Gannon in Super Whoa. Bowl 37 against the Bucks. Wow. Well done, Hembo. 
Well done. There's Two. nothing else to say there. You just got to tip wow. your times and say, uh, and call the call the Yankees my daddy. So wow. There. I'm pretty sure two pick sixes in there also. That's, that's what a- happens when the damn OC doesn't change any of the audibles or play calls when yeah. the former head coach leaves and goes to the team you're playing in the Super Bowl. Callahan. He is one of the most obscure Super Bowl MVPs ever. Dexter Jackson. Yeah. Who had two picks in that game. Okay. Wow. I'm Now I'm just really disappointed in myself. That's all right. Is it? That's all right. You shake that off. There's plenty more day left was, that you can was, win you can was, win more of this day you're just not going to win on the hammer that'll happen i have i think the argument's there to be made that i haven't won on much of this day well based on what happened a few minutes ago it's a hell of a february this is yeah. what happens when dry january ends and fill it up february begins then again i didn't bet 25 grand on the broncos in that super bowl <laughs> it's carlin versus joe on espn radio on sirius xm Channel 80. 25 grand back then. What's that? Like 8 million today with the way things are going? Uh, something like that. That's feels gotta like, be a, feels like that conversion's pretty accurate. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> with the way Bitcoin's rising and falling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's an under-the-radar story yesterday that I want people to pay attention to for a second. Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley left BC. Again, their head coach to be the Packers defensive coordinator. You know why he left? Why is that? NIL. NIL. Listen to Pete Thamel on this, okay? Halfley's reasons for taking the coordinator job rooted in the overall state of college football and the opportunity to get back into the league. He wants to coach football again in a league that's about football, a source told ESPN. Coaching college has become fundraising NIL, recruiting your own team, and transfers. There is no time to coach football anymore. Joe, I cannot tell you how many coaches in every sport in talking to them and doing games and such that have said the exact same thing, that this is all that they are about. The The NIL part of it, they have to go out. There, there are coaches out there that have to these days go out there and make promises that they may not be able to keep when it comes to the money. And you're hearing about that with student athletes that like they go they transfer and then whatever they were promised they don't necessarily get it i mean it's insane it was tough enough to be a college coach to begin with with what those hours look like and all the recruiting but now you your primary concern is to keep your own guys and here's the problem with that coaches want to coach it's their job yeah it's their passion they love the game is not coaching This is a completely separate job, and it's an arduous job on top of another arduous job with plenty of pressure and stress. I don't blame him one bit. I think we're going to see more of this. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, Lane Kiffin today hired a GM. Like, you're actually seeing things like this in college football. Oh, it's going to become pro football. This, Like, the XFL, USFL, everyone's been trying to be the next pro football. It's just, we had it all along. It was college football. We just needed to start paying the players. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And you may as well break off now because it is absolutely coming. It's not even funny. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.